Hello everybody, do you like my Christmas backdrop? It's another Friday, it means another mini So This camera is way too close to me for my comfort, which is like the normal proximity, but I never understood that normal for other people is literally like half a meter away. Like I can touch you, everybody. I can touch you. Yeah, this is gonna be a weird one. We are going into the psychology of people that obsess with royals. I mean, you all asked for it. No, none of you asked for it, but... But it's essential to understand the people we are talking about this month. Because you actually have a close-up look at me if you are following this on YouTube. Uh, I haven't done my lips or anything to them. I have just had, like, you know, my stash removed by wax. Haven't done that literally since I was a teenager. Today I was like, yeah, why not? complete idiot and I forgot how my skin reacts to everything in general and now it's all like swollen and red so yes I didn't have like lip fillers those would be really weird lip fillers to be honest with you because it would be like as if somebody just decided to fill the bottom of their nose as if I had to make my nose even bigger. Hi, yes, this is by all means necessary. It's a podcast. This is a mini-sode. It's tiny in mini, and that's why I will shut up now and put you into the perspective of why we're talking about this topic. I'm your host, Maya, yes. <laughs> forgot how this is done. <laughs> Which I don't do it for a week and it's gone. It's gone out to my brain. I'm like, how do you do intros? You just talk about random shit that you have done today. Like, waxed your mustache. So... To put things into perspective. And just to explain to you, like, the level of obsession with royals and just royal family. We're talking about a UK royal family, not, like, I don't know, Swedish or something. Does Sweden have royal family? Okay. Are people obsessed? Yes. Let's just look at the numbers for a second. So nearly 23 million US viewers watched the coverage of Prince William and Kate Middleton's 2011 wedding. The one that I thought, like, it might have been a wedding, but it might have been a funeral. And then people called me out on it. Yes, I'm aware. <laughs> then 33.2 million people in the US watched Princess Diana's funeral in 1997, and around 17 million turned in to see her 1981 wedding to Prince Charles. And from what I've seen, around 18 million people tuned in, but this is UK stats, so I couldn't find the US stats for the wedding of Meghan and Harry. Another interesting fact that I have found is that people do these YouGov surveys just to see like, hey, what do people still think about monarchy in 21st century? And one such survey in 2015, so pretty recently, has found that 68% of Brits believe the monarchy is good for the country and 62 believe we'll still have a royal family in 100 years. So... Yes, they're here to stay, and people are here to obsess with them. And who is really ensuring that royal obsessions are here to stay? Well, there's a continuous media loop. Because the public is interested in celebrities, the media is going to continue covering them. And because celebrities are in the media, the people are going to continue watching it. And it's like this constant loop that will never stop. So I went along and done the easiest research today. This was... The easiest topic to research. I wish every single thing was this easy. Literally Google psychology of people obsessed with royalty and there was tons and tons of articles. So I divided it into four broader reasons. Most of your obsessions will probably fall under these four. Maybe I haven't covered something and then let me know. So let's go on to number one. Numero uno, baby. The first broad umbrella of 
obsessives with royals, um, I like to call Cinderella story enthusiasts. It's those king and queen archetypes. And the premise of it is that we are told fairy tales since our childhood. And we are told those fairy tales, fables, like any story, even in history books, you are told history is about kings and queens and princesses. So as a child, you are pretty impressionable and you want to feel special, valued, and important. And they put Instagram children more than others. And this is why this royal archetype, this heavy impression that kings and queens, especially in the UK, because the monarchy has been around forever, people do want to believe that there is a chance for one of them to have their happy ending, to get their prince. And then they move on from those fairy tales to rom-coms, and then they just enhance that belief. This is why establishing interest into true crime is actually healthier for you. I tell you. Your parents might think you're a lesbian, but at least you're gonna have healthier interests and perspectives in life. Okay. Personal opinion. And what this does to people is really that everybody develops unrealistic fantasies. Because all these movies, all these fables make it look attainable. And then currently, well, with first starting with Diana, then now with Megan, you're like, but this did happen. This was attainable for some people. So there was this therapist in LA that said that therapists often spend a lot of time helping you let go of these realistic, unrealistic fantasies so that you can see your partner as a real person, not as a magical solution to all of your worries and insecurities. So this is like somebody that was doing a couple counseling. (laughs) So yes, this therapist Brandy Angler said about Meghan Markle's wedding that she did achieve the wish fulfillment of the Prince Charming fantasy. And we all get to witness it and live vicariously because we Little things through the others, as always. With me, as you can see behind me, through Harry Potter. With some people, as you can see, through royal weddings. And just stories of becoming a princess. And then once leaving it, obviously, through this person now, well, you find a relatability factor. You find that you and that person aren't that far off. Like, she was just a normal girl who then rolled, got the role on suits. Diana was just a kindergarten teacher. So the fact that it's somebody that you can see as your friend just adds to this phenomenon. So Rebecca Hendricks, a, a holistic psychotherapist in New York, says about Megan that she is the epitome of the American dream in that she worked against the odds of race, gender, and economic class to achieve her success. And then it goes to say, like, about how she worked about women's empowerment and how she has awesome affordable shoes. Not all the articles that you find is the easiest topic to research, but not all of them are then great. And then there's a hyperlink. (laughs) Where to buy Meghan Markle's favorite white sneakers. There are websites, there are people that heavily monetized on this, and those are like the most interesting to actually look at. There's a whole blog that I have found, I think it's called What Megan Wore, and then like there's extensions of like What Kate Wore, What Kate's Children Wore, and then it's literally somebody just taking pictures from tabloids, from paparazzi, about this fashion, and then telling you where you can get it. So it's definitely attainable as a lifestyle. You can, you go for it. You become a princess. I don't know who else you're going to marry in that family, but there's probably somebody. 
or they'll end up having children. So, you know, you can just marry them when they grow up. Sickening. <laughs> Sickening. Stop suggesting people weird shit. And all these effects then make you feel like if you are rooting for somebody, like Megan, like Diana, like whoever in that family, that makes you feel like you're rooting for yourself. Because that somebody came technically from the same roots as you, especially now with sort of the representation of a mixed-race couple and mixed-race children in the royalty. People are like, hey, finally, you know, we see it and then we can also aspire towards it. This also then further leads you to aspire to be the best version of yourself because you don't imagine Meghan and Harry coming from a wedding and be like, oh yeah, honey, can you wash the dishes? You know, like, yeah, let's plan the honeymoon, let's catch a plane. No, it's... They have moved away from that. And you see the balls, you see the crowns, you see the red carpet, you see the causes that they are working towards. And you're like, well, I can do that. I can job washing the laundry for this lifestyle and be the best version of who I want to be. In that light, as like trying to be the best version for yourself, you might actually be attracted to it. Not because like you see it as much as a representation, but you identify so much as a person that you're like, well... Me as an underdog, I can actually identify with this person and change equivalently. So in this light, the underdog hope might be actually more powerful than you realize. It motivates you and helps you to aspire to be your best self, even if it is a bit delusional on the surface. However, there is a healthy level of this first umbrella thing. And then there is people that push it to like stalker level. Like some people that I'm speaking about this month, like Michael Fagan. Next week's topic, not gonna spoil it. But again, it's somebody who kind of like gets a bit too attached and then kind of starts living close to them or just gets really fixated on one certain family member. Then it's not about attaining a lifestyle. It's all about the focus on that one person. And this is once you either get into stalking kind of thing, but also it can be that you identify as a soulmate for the person and you are seeking a close relationship. I mean, just picture it from this being like, that's kind of what I thought because I still have no fucking clue. Like, how did Megan and Harry come about? Like, she wasn't even that present on social media. I can just imagine somebody had to slide into someone's DMs and just imagine that from a perspective of like her doing it, but her not being as hot. And how that would have been seen as somebody, some desperate case. But luckily for them, well, Megan was hot and Harry was like really on board somehow watching suits. I don't know. So yeah, that resulted positively for them. In any other case, it would have been a case of stalking. The second category you could call wish fulfillment. So this is the idea that you belong to a story that's larger than you, larger than your community, larger than anybody. And this might explain why you see millions of people tuning in to watch the wedding. Why do you see them queuing up, going to Windsor, going to wherever the wedding is? The same when it comes to funerals. But also how there is a premise for people to even buy merch, buy merchandise. It's kind of like we belong to this community and it's bigger than one person. It's truly the premise of like every true crime podcast as well. It's to make you feel like you click with somebody, you think the same as them. Telling you the psychology of true crime podcasts now as well. Then once they create a community, whether it is Patreon or try to sell you merch, that there is a premise that because you want to belong to something that's larger than you, you want to believe that other people think the same as you, you will take the hook and bite the bite. <laughs> Lost. 
Honestly. And this is because we want to feel included in something monumental and important. So when people, so when people create a wedding dress inspired by Kate's wedding dress or Megan's wedding dress, there's obviously going to be a market for it. Or if they're selling replica sapphire engagement rings, apparently. So if you see it on somebody, there's again more chance that you're going to go and buy or like the same for your children because then, you know, those children might be seen as something bigger, as belonging to this community that aspires to dress this way, behave this way, etc. Dr. Tarim Rani goes on to explain that when Princess Diana became a princess, that allowed the royal family to burst into a level of celebrity they never experienced before, because here was a commoner who got there. She was someone just like the rest of us, but then instantly, because of the belonging to a particular community, that she apparently identified as, and that community just happened to be royal family. She was immediately seen as better. And the royal family is not, like, I kind of tried comparing this to, I don't know, when I was a teenager, I watched E! a lot, entertainment. Is this called entertainment? Like, the channel. <laughs> the one with, like, Hugh Hefner. And the Kardashians. Kardashians also came from that. So I was kind of, like, trying to compare, like, how, while researching this week, how would that compare to somebody like the Kardashians and like why the people keep watching them for what like two decades god I'm old <laughs> started way too early and the difference with royal family is that there is like a perfect balance of like sophistication royalty like monarchy all of the history and then obviously now connection to the modern world and like how do they govern right now and obviously we Diana and we Megan how can people even preach into something like the monarchy? So there's that extra drive because there's like a perfect balance of the special and the ordinary. Whereas with the Kardashians, obviously, you don't have that special... It's like no need to explain, but with the Kardashians, you don't have that special, you know, monarchy trying to pretend like they're posh vibe. <laughs> just like been recently, they've just been having physical fights and you're like, wow, okay, this is like the desperate housewives of, I don't know, Atlanta or whatever. Is there even such show? I know my reality to a T. <laughs> Definitely. And if you are looking under this umbrella for the underdog story, well then you can see that this wish fulfillment part really coming to light because those people kind of really want to be feeling like they are being rescued. They're finally achieving something that they never thought possible. And this is because we identify, or at least want to identify, with feeling wanted, important, and in control. And this next bit can really belong under any of those umbrellas, any of these divisions, but that is celebrity worship syndrome. I put it here because kind of like I was comparing it with the Kardashians and like what we see, the cultish vibes and like how we identify with anything because it can truly explain like true crime podcasts and patrons that you might subscribe to yourselves. And that is that according to research, it's not this uncommon. So um, according to this study published in British Journal of Psychology, Researchers classified celebrity worship on a spectrum. So like the lower levels, it's your basic behaviors that you, I don't know, might scroll for an Instagram feed, might read about it in an article that you pick up from a shelf, or just tune in to your favorite reality show or whatever on TV. But on the highest levels, celebrity worship takes on a personal nature. And this is when you obsess over the lives and you fully identify and think you are this person. The most famous case that comes to mind in terms of true crime is uh, Selena. Or, well, Selena and Yolanda, who 
works for her, completely identify with her, was completely blinded and ended up killing her. <sighs> that case is a bum, I'm gonna cover it one day, I can't stand Yolanda, so... And this leads to you being gratified by their successes, but also then hurt for their failures, as if they're your own, because you truly like feel them on your own skin. Hence why so many people did cry for Diana. Again, that can be on so many levels, but like those that truly, truly identified with her probably took it the worst and still kind of commemorate it every year for different reasons that they might not even be aware of. And I mentioned this one when talking about motives for Fagan, and that is the celebrity worship syndrome once it falls under the label of parasocial behavior. So as I mentioned, I won't go like too much into detail, but that is when you create a one-sided relationship with somebody and they have no clue that you are that obsessed with them, but... You are, and then once multiple people become obsessed, it becomes like the paparazzi stalking with Diana that didn't really result in good things, did it? And Farley says, like, this is so hard because, A, it's enrooted in us, but then also it kind of subconsciously stays there because you always have dreams of happiness or wealth or money, of status and social influence, and then that starts early with, like, fairy tales, but then you kind of move on, and you have this deep attraction to heroism. Heroism? Being a hero. <laughs> Which then stays with you, to some extent, through your whole life. So royals and other people, like Hollywood figures and the Kardashians, keep this phenomenon alive. And then in one of those articles, they put that this is truly like a real-life Truman Show. I have only watched Truman Show this year. I loved it, to be honest. But at the same time, it kind of is so applicable to today compared to like when it was actually made. And I was just like, wow, wow. We truly live in just like a dystopian circle of hell. That's this episode's title. Dystopian circle of hell. That's it. Fuck it. Also, if you like dystopian shit, watch The Barrier or La Valla in, um, it's in Spanish on Netflix. It's sick. <laughs> it's sick. And it's truly the worst show to watch during quarantine, which makes it the best show to watch during quarantine. Because it's about like curfews and then a virus sparks up. And it's kind of like the place where government doesn't rule and you do whatever you want. So yes, that's a good dystopian TV show. Cool. And then just, you know, just spark that anxiety from that show with big mouth anxiety. That show is precious. It's precious. If I identify with anybody... Okay, I hope I don't identify ever with Jay from Big Mouth. <laughs> but but th that is the only show, truly, that maybe in the past decade, to be honest, has blown my mind absolutely. <laughs> because just the premise of having a human have a relationship with a pillow and how that was not explored ever, ever again. And it's like the most one of the most common objects you use in a house. And I was like, wow, 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 yeah. I love objectophiles, I love DLC. Okay, <laughs> third spectrum, third umbrella here. Is the connection to your history. Or I put this as, <laughs> I put the title for this, it's my monarchy, bitch. This, again, kind of is divided in two parts because, as I mentioned, there's a shit ton of Americans that have identified with the monarchy and with British culture. So it's definitely not just people that are British to the core, 100% British, don't have a single member of the family that is living abroad and is suddenly fascinated by a completely different concept. 
So Jeff Rodsky, this associate professor of psychology at Muhlenberg College in Pennsylvania, said that royals touch upon something more primal, and that's the need of ours that motivates us to explore our past. So we connect to the history and the tradition in a simple and tangible way. So historically, royals were major contributors to any world events, from the world wars to going onto the ships and just fighting for the country. What? <laughs> okay, could totally invent this, but sure. And while they still don't play these major historical roles, this direct lineage is in a way the easy-to-follow connection to the past. People often play on their nostalgia card, and they often play on, like, romanticize the history, romanticize everything. And, well, they say, like, what's more romantic than kings and queens and kingdoms, and this is why we were so freaking into Game of Thrones, and then we're hugely disappointed by the end because we're like, wait, this didn't play out the normal way, so sure. And well, if anything, that's made easier once you have Queen Elizabeth, who has been the pillar of the monarchy and people see her as the head of the government because she has been that for, again, I didn't Google this, but let's say 60 plus years, right? That's like Jubilee or Diamond. Yo, how long uh, has Queen Elizabeth ruled? Okay, (laughs) let me see this. Let me actually Google this. <laughs> okay, it's more like 68, but sure. <laughs> so 75, close enough, 68. So yeah, 60 plus years. And then on the other side, you have somebody relatable, because obviously, yes, you do have the monarchy, but then you have the people's princess, that was Diana, and the children. And this is when the human factor really comes into play, because you see, especially that story, And even now, how we see William and Harry is through that vulnerable story, through the loss of their mother. As we know, they have been open about their mental health, they have been open about talking about their mother's story, and that's relatable to people from a completely different aspect, and that's because suddenly, you know, nobody talked about bulimia, about food disorders before Diana. Nobody talked about mental health as much as now their kids do. So that's kind of like from that human aspect that this is something that has been unheard of. And this in turn then makes the family more lovable and more accessible to people. And then Americans identify because, well, they have learned about the UK, but they also kind of see Brits as like their distant cousins. They speak the same language. But also from a more historical point of view, America was once technically part of Britain. So the royal family used to be America's royal family. And American colonists felt like they were the king's subjects. And then some articles said now there's of course the Markle factor which makes them obsessed because suddenly it's, hey, it's one of us that has married into royalty and then as a bad bitch move turned that around and deroyaled him. You gotta achieve your dreams and then still be yourself. And Megan has done it both. Megan has all of my respect, 100%. And I love this psychologist who says, there's nothing wrong with getting caught up in the details of the wedding you'll never attend or pouring over pictures of the royal baby. As long as you keep the perspective, right? As long as you keep it in line and you don't become delusional, it's all great. Just do your thing. Do your thing. I know people who are super into Kardashians and their merch, so... If you can obsess over Kardashians, why wouldn't you obsess about royals? There's more history. It's it's smarter, right? Right. Also, there's more badassery. There's more people that are actually into causes and use their money to, like, you know, help out the, the poor and shit. So, 
the fourth umbrella, coming on to the last one. I also briefly tackled it with Michael Fagan's story. That's the idea of safety. <laughs> I put this one also explains my background and the Potterhead vibes. Um, and yes, this is the one I definitely most identify with when placing this kind of like relatability to, well, what I place it to, which is the Harry Potter world or which is different series, that 70s show you can never. What is one theme song that you never skip? For a lot of people, it's Friends. For Friends, for me, like, you know, I'd watch it, like, every once in a while, but usually I skip. Especially now with Netflix, I really think about that. Like, whenever I watch a series, I'm like, which ones I skip through? That's some of the shows I never will. Because they just all jam and vibe to that song, and that's the best thing. Okay, cool. Also Hannah Montana, but... <laughs> edit this out. Edit it, bitch. Listen to me. Edit this out. <laughs> 28 year old jamming to best of both worlds it's the best tune of my teenagehood yes other bitches had boyfriends i'll listen to hannah montana what you gonna do about it so safety a lot of this is from the clinical psychologist donna rockwell dr donna rockwell who specializes in celebrity and fame the royal family's strict adherence to procedure and tradition. And well, she says that the royal family, there's something calming about it compared to like other celebrity stories. As much as you might relate to the family, you know, it might be just like constant drama, drama, drama. Whereas here, you kind of like find something calming. It's all about tradition. And the family's strict adherence to the procedure is the key to the continuance of monarchy, really. So even just reading about it can trigger the same comforting feeling that a child finds in boundaries and rules. So she says that when you look at the happy couples, the young children, the families forming, the positive aspects of what it means to be a human gives us then the break from the headlines, sensationalism, and hourly breaking news about what's going on in your country. That's truly so correct for me. And like coming back to rereading like Harry Potter or listening to audiobooks every year, or like every two years. And it makes me like completely switch off from everything for as long as I am completely into that world because it's kind of like completely immersive. And I guess that royalty can be that for a lot of people because, well, there's a lot of them. So there's a lot going on. And then you kind of see that as as their life, even if you focus on like one person, everybody else is kind of like, how do they interact with them? And then it's coming from the breaking news, especially now, like during quarantine and during... Um, the elections <laughs> I completely switched off from freaking social media which yes you might have noticed <laughs> if you follow me on the socials if you don't that damn pod everywhere <laughs> it's like always find the opportunity to plug it plug it but yeah i realized like i'm a lot more dependent on the fictional worlds than i used to be this year just because again the world is in a really shitty place and the fiction is always there for you to rely on. And then you just need to keep your perspective and when you come back into the real world, don't lose your shit. So, <laughs> completely not a personal story of a girl that had so many meltdowns. Okay. Our girl and PhD <laughs> and the Dr. Donna. You never make the mistake that I did once in customer service. If somebody signs off with doctor, just refer to them as doctor. I had one woman be like, how dare you call me by my first name? I was like, it's, it's your name. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I had a PhD. It's like, okay. Okay, this is the next level of entitlement. I bet Donna is cool. But hey, Dr. Donna, cool. She said, life by its very nature is tumultuous and, dis and dislocated, especially in the context of the United States at this time. 
I feel the royal family represents all the discipline, stability, and the sort of calmness in communication with one another that actually psychologically settles a person. I agree with you, Donna. Donna, you're a rock star. And she says that this is actually neurological. Like, there is something in your brain that triggers you in the state of chaos to kind of, like, seek shelter and find your own world to get lost into. And it's kind of like neurologically calming. We see structure and we feel comforted. So it's actually a neurological response of relaxation that occurs in us in seeing the queen and the granddaughters in law and the line of heirs. And it's neurological because, you know, the, the amygdalas that are in your brain that play a key role in controlling emotions, so like kind of your fight-or-flight response, instead of having that inflamed and alert and constantly being like, oh my god, oh my god, is who is going to be in like the presidential elections? Like, oh my god, is there going to be a vaccine? Am I going to be able to like see my friends, family? The opposite is happening. Because we see this human relationship, we see the love, we are psychologically calming down the amygdala, which then in return activates the reward center, and we are getting calm neurons firing, hormones that produce good feeling and well-being. So we move on to our own world, whether it is the royalty, whether it is fiction, whether it is Big Mouth or Harry Potter, whichever your world is, because... We find that everything is okay in that world and we resort to it temporarily. As long as you keep your perspective, that's all good. Which category do you fall in? When it comes to royalty or just in general, whatever it is for you, mine is definitely the safety. I'm definitely like, hey, this is the world I belong to for a couple of hours. And then depending on the actual psychological state of mind on that day, I sometimes come to reality completely okay, and I sometimes come back to reality completely lost and losing my shit and cancelling that whole last day, because it's it's a Hogwarts kind of day. Cool. <laughs> now, I thought of ending it on that note of love, positivity, amygdalas, no flight or fight response, staying in your zen... And yeah, what better way to end a freaking mini song? I mean, what else do you want from me? Like, oh, it's like the best way to do it. So until Monday, uh, you enjoy the weekend. Like, you, you go to whichever world makes you happy. As long as you don't end up stalking Meghan Markle or just anybody in general. <laughs> you do you, man. But until then, happy Friday. And never forget whichever world you belong in. Even if you're motherfucking Hogwarts, being motherfucking Hermione Granger, changing the world. Or if that world involves you becoming the next princess, becoming the next people's princess. First of all, don't do that. You will never ever be able to replace Diana. Don't you even fucking try. But you keep making it a better place. One motive at a time. Oh, bye, fuckers. Oh, now, now what I can do, because I'm so close to you, I can shut these lens. And then you don't see me. You don't see me. Okay. Lost it. Completely lost it.